Hello, and welcome to the Confident Human Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I'm your host, Lexia Yesa. On this podcast, you can expect to hear from people who are comfortable with the uncomfortable. Everyone you will hear from has turned one of their vulnerabilities into a superpower. Our hope is that these stories will help you have the confidence to face your demons too. Real talk, real people, all living their lives in confidence. Today, we'll be chatting with Alexandra Cole. Alexandra Cole, she wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Playbook. She is a human design expert and she does readings and she's done mine, which was incredibly empowering. I loved every minute of it. She really has this presence that makes you feel like, I mean, understood. I think that you guys will really enjoy this podcast. Make sure before we jump in that you do go to myhumandesign.com and pull your chart because I think that'll be really, really impactful for you to have that on you, on your person while you're going through this. And if you don't know what human design is, don't worry. She's going to explain exactly what it is. Again, it's myhumandesign.com. All right, let's jump in. I'm so excited to have you. Ever since we did my reading, I've just been looking forward to this moment. I know. Likewise, it's such a fun topic to geek out about. So I'm looking forward to it. Tell us how you found human design. You've written a book on it. You're obviously extremely passionate about it. So I actually grew up in the Netherlands and moved to the United States for college and was someone growing up and especially throughout college that always aimed high, let's say, and always knew kind of what the next milestone was and was very much living towards each of those different milestones. And so even though I, when I was younger, really wanted to be a Broadway star, that was my big dream. I found myself in college feeling a lot of pressure to um, pursue a career that would quote unquote, look good on a resume right? And open as many doors as possible. And that was surprise, surprise, not a career on Broadway. So I ended up in management consulting, which was an amazing job. And I was very grateful to have it. But I noticed immediately that while I found the relationships I was building there very rewarding, the work itself just wasn't really doing it. And I would be working 16 hour days and feeling so burnt out and to some extent, I think a lot of us are sold this idea, right? That work is work and work is suffering and work is meant to be hard and you're not meant to enjoy it. But somewhere inside of me, there was that little voice that was saying, no, I don't think this is, this is totally it. I think most people can relate to that too. I think my early 20s was all about how many hours am I working? If I'm put in this many hours, then I'll get promoted or I'll make more money or I'll look better. It's so true. And I think a lot of that has to do too with the fact that we don't take the time and we're not taught or encouraged to take the time to actually identify or determine what our own definition of success is, right? We kind of just take on whatever that definition is that is sold to us um, through popular culture and media and our school system, et cetera. Um, and so I think a lot of us towards maybe the end of our 20s, early 30s start to actually think, wait, does 
you know, this impressive job and a high salary really reflect what success, like a more holistic view of success means to me. And so I kind of had that realization a little bit earlier on. And then it coincided with a close friend of mine moving back to New York where I was working at the time. And the two of us just started meeting early in the morning, late at night, and talking about this crazy transition that we were seeing with people in our generation who were increasingly leaving these like big corporate jobs to work for small startups where they felt like they had a greater sense of purpose and ownership. I was case in point that person. I know, right? I mean, like it's, it's the classic millennial hero story. Um, so everyone's leaving and we're like, well, what a waste because these large corporations actually have a ton of resources. And if they made an effort to understand kind of the why and create environments that actually supported um, these individuals, right? And allowed them to find that same sense of purpose and ownership in a bigger corporate structure, they might actually be able to affect even more change, right? Um, And so we kind of took it upon ourselves to do that work. And we started a company called Purpose Generation that helps these large Fortune 500s do exactly that. And in the process, though, I think I was kind of going on my own personal development journey. And I realized um, that I was so much happier and fulfilled doing that work. And when I looked around at many of my peers who were still in those jobs that didn't actually fulfill them, when I asked them, like, why are you staying there? Like, what's, what's in it for you? Why aren't you taking these bigger risks? Their response was, well, I honestly don't even know where to start. I don't even know what I enjoy. I don't even know what would fulfill me. I don't know, quote unquote, what, you know, what my purpose is. It felt like such an overwhelming question that had a very convoluted and vague set of answers to date, right? I, I did a lot of work in or a lot of research in personal development, and I couldn't find kind of this structured path or blueprint to actually articulating what is my purpose and how do I go about changing my life or designing my life around that thing. Um, So I went about creating that and I created a course which turned into a book that's called The Purpose Playbook. And it's all about this kind of no-nonsense practical roadmap to living out your purpose. I love it. But long story short, through that work, I discovered this thing called human design, which really is, I call it like almost a mix between the Enneagram and astrology in the sense that it has this like woo-woo component. It's a chart. Everyone has their individual chart that's based on their birth, time, date, and place. Um, But then it has so much practical information about how you are designed to work, live, love most effectively. And it was such an awesome compliment to the purpose work that I was doing because I think one of the hardest parts of that purpose work is identifying for yourself what your strengths are, what your gifts are. We all find that really difficult. And sometimes they're hidden and sometimes they're, they come so easily that we take it for granted. And the human design work it's like this tangible chart that I can use to help people find clues as to what those gifts and strengths are. First of all, bravo to you to trusting that journey and figuring out what works for you, especially early, because that's definitely not like the majority. With that, I think it's so awesome. People can obviously still figure out what their purpose is at any age. And it's wonderful that you're giving them the capabilities to be able to do that themselves. One thing that I loved when you gave me my reading was that I felt like 
I was already living a lot of my purpose, but it gave me permission to really tap into the things that at some times I really felt were limiting me because that's what other people told me. And now I'm like, no, trust yourself, trust your gut because that's my focal point, my center, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but allow myself to really tap into some of the things that I thought were wrong. And I think that's the biggest piece, right? I often tell people when I'm doing a reading with them that it is more of a remembering. It's a remembering of things that when you were younger, especially as a little kid, you knew instinctively, right? You were much more in touch with your quote unquote design. Um, But as we grow up, because, you know, we're humans and all we want is to be loved and to belong, we start to pick up on these cues from our surroundings as to, you know, who to be and what to do in order to fit in. And inevitably, fitting in means kind of conforming in a way and letting go of all of those amazing things that make you unique and make you who you are. And so the reading, like you said, beautifully kind of gives you permission to be more of yourself and is more of a remembering of things you know, but you might need a little bit of validation in order to actually start to trust. I love the inner child component that you touch on so well, especially on your Instagram and all your messaging. It's so important. And I think that's something that most people in 2020 are trying to gravitate towards too. 100%. I know. It's like we actually should be using this time of slowing down and less travel, right? And less commitments to play more. Um, I think for me, that's been the messaging, even in the past few years, actually, I've been getting it very clearly is like, play more, have more fun. Don't take yourself and life so seriously. That's the generator in you. (laughs) That is the generator in me, right? Exactly. Look at you. You're just such a pro after the reading. I feel like you're, you're now, you know, a budding human design expert. Get out, get out. I'm excited for you to actually touch on every single one. So please, um, I know, let's talk about generator. You're a generator. You probably know it the best because it's you. Let's go through each one because I think everyone would love to hear just a little bit about what specifically they are. And so very quick recap, right? Human design, like I said, it's it's a chart that's based on your birth time, date, and place. And we're going to recommend that everyone gets their, their human design thing through the website before they listen to this. Exactly. Perfect. Go to www.myhumandesign.com and it's free. You can get your chart there. And the first thing that you'll see on that chart is something called your energy type, which is what Lexi is referring to. And human design is is all based on energetics. It's basically the art and science of our energetic bodies or your aura, if that's a term that you're familiar with. And so at the core of it is this thing called an energy type, and there's five of them. And every one of us is one of these types. And it doesn't, this part of your chart doesn't talk about your personality per se, but it really relates more to your operating system. And each of the different energy types is designed to operate in a slightly different way and to use their energy and interact with the world around them and to even like, you know, schedule their workday in a slightly different way. And it's so important to honor that because when you honor that, you're going to be finding a much greater sense of ease and flow in life, right? Because your system is going to be operating smoothly. But when you are living, working, or operating in a way that is not aligned with your type, that's when you're going to start to encounter resistance, right? And that resistance is going to look different for everyone, but it can look like that feeling of stuckness. But all that is, is the universe kind of telling you like, hey, um, 
you know, wake up to the fact that you are not living in a way that serves you and that allows all of those amazing gifts to come out. So there's five of them. I'll run through them fairly quickly. So Lexi mentioned the generator. So there's two generator types, actually. There's the generator, which I am, and a manifesting generator, which is what Lexi is. Both of them make up actually 70% of the world's population. So we are the majority. And as a result, a lot of our world is kind of built around this like generator energy, which is high energy. So generators are here to do what lights them up, to do what brings them joy, to follow their gut. As Lexi was saying, our sacral center is kind of our home base and the sacral center lives right behind the belly button. And it's that gut feeling, but also it speaks the language. I kind of talk about it speaking a language of excitement. Um, So when you feel excited about something for a generator and manifesting generator, that is the biggest sign that you should learn more about it or pursue that. Don't hold back for sure. And it sounds selfish, right? Doing the things that you love, but you have to understand that by doing those things, you're actually creating extra energy that will spill over for all those other types. And not all types are, have the ability to create that type of energy. So they kind of need you to be doing the stuff that you love in order for them to be able to ride your wave, so to speak. And the thing about generators though, is that because we have this high level of energy and because we're oftentimes good at a lot of different things, there's a lot of people who will start to take advantage of that. Whether they're doing so intentionally or not, they'll recognize that you have this abundance of energy and they'll start to ask you for favors. And before you know it, a lot of generators will find themselves committing to things that they aren't actually excited about, but they feel obligated or they you know, don't want to disappoint someone. There's a million different reasons that you can come up with, but essentially what will happen is they will fill their time with things that are medium level excitement, which will result in a medium level output and a medium level potential. So for all generators, the best thing that you can do is start to reconnect to that gut, really start to build a relationship with the gut, right? What gets it excited Um, and start to respond to that and be really disciplined about only saying yes to the things that you're actually excited about, which will be very difficult at first, I guarantee you, because I've had to go through this myself. But the more you can clear your plate, right, of those non-exciting things, the easier it will be for the things that really do excite you to come through. That is the generator and the manifesting generator. And for them, the main sign that they're not living in alignment with their design is that frustration, which can also be a frustration of energy or a feeling of stuckness. So if you feel as a generator or manifesting generator that things just aren't moving, that you're kind of standing in this like quicksand and that nothing is happening, that means that you need to kind of reassess where have I said yes to things that I'm not super excited about? Where am I not honoring that gut? Then we've got manifestors. So manifestors are here to initiate, to trailblaze. Manifestors have this like enormous capacity to like create new things, to start fires wherever they go. Um, And manifestors are designed to act on an urge. So instead of their gut, they will receive these sudden urges that drop in out of nowhere. They don't really know where it comes from. 
to, you know, move to Thailand or to start a bicycle business. I have no idea, but those things will just drop into their mind and they are meant to pursue those and not get waylaid or pay too much attention to what other people think of what they're doing or how they're showing up. The challenge is that because they are born with this big, robust energy that is meant to kind of move mountains, they are sometimes conditioned as a little kid to play it small because they intimidate other people. And so they'll grow up oftentimes as the biggest people pleasers because They've never learned to embrace this amazing energy that they have. Ask for forgiveness. <laughs> always ask for forgiveness, not permission. I love that. That is basically the mantra for manifestors because we need manifestors, right? To be like creating these new things and their energy, unlike generators, they don't have the consistent energy. Their energy comes more in bursts. So when they have one of those urges to do something, they'll have all the energy in the world and they can kind of like make it happen. And then shortly afterwards, you'll, you'll notice they kind of crash a little bit. They really need to reset, recharge and step away from the action so that they're then ready when the next urge comes along to act on it. And the sign for manifestors that they're living out of alignment with their type is anger. Okay. So next up is projectors and projectors are here to guide us. They are here to see things from a unique perspective. They are the people that can bring enormous amounts of efficiency and opt. I call them the optimizer bunnies. So they don't have that energy that generators and manifesting generators have, but they can see instantly how they can change a system or work smarter, right? Rather than harder in order to get the same results that a generator would. They just do it in a shorter amount of time and probably in a, in a more efficient way too. But because projectors have this amazing ability to kind of instantly see how things can be improved, they also tend to very easily spot what's wrong. And they can sometimes come across as a little bit overly critical sometimes or a little bit of a know-it-all. Um, they're the people, my husband is a projector. So my husband is a projector too. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So they're the people that when you tell them about some type of issue you're having or you're just trying to vent they'll just hit you with a million different solutions and you need to tell them, listen, I don't want solutions right now. I just want you to listen. Oh, a hundred percent. I'll be like, I don't remember if I asked you for that opinion. I just wanted you to listen to me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. It's, and it's so, also mean I need to get better with my delivery on that kind of stuff. No, but now that you know, right, this is the beauty of human design. You can go into that conversation and you can say, listen, honey, I know that all you're going to want to do is provide me with your opinion or your amazing insights, right? About how I could have done this better. I like that. Very complimentary. But I just don't want to hear it right now. And so that's the key, right? For projectors, it's so important for them to make sure that their audience is ready to hear what they have to say. Because if that audience is not ready, they're just going to be wasting their energy and wasting that skill that they have. But what they can be doing to create their audience and to make sure that people actually want to hear what they have to say is really working on identifying in themselves, like what are my gifts as a projector? What are the things that I am better at than anyone else? And oftentimes it's the stuff that comes the easiest to them, right? So that other people will start to recognize you and say, oh, right. Like, oh my God, I remember Lexi's husband is so good at this. Let me 
ask him for his opinion. And that's when a projector really feels like they're going to, you know, able to add the most value. I love that. That's spot on. Mm -hmm. That's the projector. And then the very last one is a reflector. And reflectors are only 1% of the population, so they're super rare, Um, but they're so important. Reflectors, just like the name says, are here to reflect or mirror back to us the state of the world. Um, Reflectors are incredibly sensitive to their environment, what's going on in their immediate environment amongst their personal network, even in their home, as well as what's going on beyond that, like in society at large. So Right now, there's a lot of reflectors who are probably feeling like quite weighed down by the state of the world. Reflectors oftentimes are people who have who struggle with immune disorders, right? Because that's how it manifests in their body. But reflectors can be so incredibly wise. And that's what they're here to share because they are so sensitive to the world around them. They can pick up on things that no other energy type can. And it's their job to kind of bring those things to the surface so that others can kind of look at it, examine it and move through it, right? Rather than continuing to like push it down and ignore it. And reflectors have like their entire chart white. Is white. that right? Yes. Okay. So they feel everything. They feel everything. So when you see your chart, what you'll see is some of the centers are colored in and some of them are white. And the way I like to talk about this is the colored in centers or what we call defined centers. This is where you are plugged into the universe. So imagine you literally have this constant stream of electricity, of insight, of guidance that is coming through you that you can tap into at any moment in time. It's always there. It's very consistent. And this stream is basically giving you information about that particular part of your chart or your body or your life experience, let's say. However, when you are open or white in a specific area, that is where you are not plugged in. And so you're going to be super sensitive to picking up on all the energetics of people around you because you don't have your own consistent stream. It even means you're probably going to be attracted to people who are plugged in in that area and almost want to start to latch on to them, right? Because you notice that that's an area you need to fill. However, Once you become aware of the fact that it's open, you can actually start to use it as a really important kind of like antenna for understanding the world around you because you can kind of dip in and out of other people's energy and and pick up things from them. For them, the sign that they're living out of alignment with their chart is disappointment. They'll kind of feel like let, let down almost by life. So if you're a reflector and you're feeling that way, take a look at your environment and see if there's anything you can do to improve the quality of the people, the quality of the air, right? The quality of the the design, like aesthetics are really important for you. Just do things that make you feel good. Listen to music that makes you feel good. All of that is going to contribute to you being able to to play that reflector role more effectively. That's so insightful. I think everyone could really kind of resonate with whatever it is that they have now. Perfect. They have a good framework. One thing that I found super fascinating was I'm a manifesting generator. One of my best friends is a manifesting generator. I'm not an empath. She is so much of an empath. 
And so it's really fascinating just to see how she definitely can feel other people. And then when she comes to me, she's just very excited to kind of be around my energy. And so it's good to have both, but it's super interesting that obviously you're not going to be, even just because you're a manifesting generator or a generator and you have friends who are in those same categories, you're still not going to be completely the same at all. No. And in fact, I mean, there are, you know, 6 billion different charts out there. Um, They go real, really deep. So only if you are an identical twin or born within like 10 minutes of one another in the same city, will you have the same chart? Um, So there's so much variance there. And if you look at your chart, you'll just see a lot of, it looks really complicated, which is why there's even a role for me as a reader to play. Um, But you'll see like different lines and numbers and all of those things give you clues as to, again, what your gifts are, but also what, how you're going to operationalize, let's say your system, your energy type. So yes, there's a million different types of manifesting generators and there's so much nuance to it. And that's the fun part of being able to sit down with people and kind of go on that discovery journey. I think that everyone needs to do this because it's just so important for people to really feel that they can understand themselves better, but also feel like they're given a framework uh, to really be able to open themselves even more so to their most authentic self. I love that. Yes. One thing that I love that we chatted about too was the different types of digestion that people have. I found that to be super fascinating. As you know, obviously at the Confidence Co, we're very big on um, aligning with our gut and then also figuring out how to digest better. And for me, I always talk about the parasympathetic state, getting into that rest and digest and really understanding how each person can get there uniquely. And so I love that human design offers a different type of component to that. Totally. And I think for us in human design too, it, because it's all about energy, right? Food is the most tangible and readily available source of energy that you can take in. And so it really is important to make sure that you are digesting that food in a way that is optimal for your system. And that looks different for different people. But just like you guys do at the Confidence Co., it's all about making sure that you can get the most nutrients out of your food because you can be eating an amazingly healthy diet, but if you aren't able to extract those nutrients, there's, you know, you might as well be eating pizza and burgers every single day. Yep. You could eat anything. And if you're not digesting it, then it's not going to do any good for you. Exactly. And so that's kind of where this idea of the different digestive systems comes into play with human design. And there are several of them and they actually are connected to when your original digestive system kind of came about. So for instance, I have a digestive system, which is called open taste, which is one of the older digestive systems. So you have to imagine this came about when we were still kind of not caveman era, but a little bit after that. So when food was still very, very basic. And so for me, it's important to eat simply, eat seasonally, not combine too many foods, um, right? So when I get a salad, for instance, if I get 10 different toppings, my system is not going to be able to digest that. No matter how healthy those toppings are, I'm better suited to get a salad with two toppings, right? Or if I have like a plate full of food, eat the different food categories one by one, like start with the carbs and then do the greens and then do the grains. But one of the most important things that everyone can look up right right now on their chart is if you look at the arrow in the very kind of um, 
top left of your chart, it will either point to the left or to the right. And this kind of indicates whether you have a more kind of active brain or a passive brain. Um, so if it's to the left, you have a more active brain, meaning that you are going to be consuming a lot more calories without having to do too much. Your mind is always going to be going. It's always going to be buzzing. And so it's important for you to avoid things like fasting too much um, because you'll actually be starving the brain in that sense. Whereas if it's pointing to the right, it's a little bit more passive. And so intermittent fasting could work really well for you. From there, you know, there's so many different digestive types. Some people are meant to eat I think it's you, Lexi, right? You have indirect light. Um, yeah, so yep. you're actually designed to digest your food best during the day. So all your big meals should be in the day. And then once the sun sets, you should be you know, maybe snacking, but minimal, minimal intake of calories because you won't be able to digest them as well. It's crazy how much sense it makes once you hear this information for you specifically. Yeah. And it's funny because so many people, when it comes to the digestive piece, a lot of people tell me, oh, that's so crazy because I've already been eating that way. So there's 12 different digestive types. And then there's also, and you'll actually see your type when you look up your chart as well. I'll try to go as fast as I can and just give a tidbit for each of them. So if you're someone who has what we call consecutive appetite, it's important for food to be simple, not too complex, fewer ingredients, eat seasonally, um, but then also make sure that you eat bigger meals three times a day. Like you want to be full after every meal, and then you want to give yourself time to kind of digest it. Now, the opposite of that is alternating appetite. So this is also a really old type. So it's still all about kind of simplicity. But these alternating appetite people are meant to actually be more of the grazers and the snackers throughout the day. And so you actually want to avoid being too full because it'll slow you down. So you kind of want to stop eating before you're full. Then you get to open taste. Simple is good. Um, these are people who can eat the same thing over and over and over again. And that's actually really great. I have the same breakfast and lunch basically every day and I switch it up maybe a few times a year. But then try everything because you want to remain open and you're not going to know if you like something until you try it. Then the opposite of that closed taste, similarly in terms of like the simplification and eating the same thing over and over again. However, you are someone that is going to know whether you're going to like it or not without even having to try it. Like you're going to have this like instinct. So eating again, the same thing every day or planning out your meals, really good idea for people with closed taste too. Then you've got hot food people. So these are people whose systems actually naturally run kind of cold. It's important for you to make sure that your food is either room temperature or above. Um, and you want to avoid things like smoothies because those are just not going to be as easy for your system to gravitate. And then the opposite, cold food, right? It's similar. They actually have systems that run really hot. And so for you, you kind of want to make sure everything is room temperature or below. So for you, like cooling juices, really good. Like if you think about like cucumber and things like that, smoothies could actually work very well. Avoid any really warming spices, you know, like the turmeric or chili, like these aren't going to be good for your system. Then we have one that's called Calm Touch. And these people's systems 
don't run hot, but they run very busy. So you need to like calm your system down to be able to eat. So limiting consuming food when you're in social gatherings, because that will kind of get your system into a tizzy and you won't be able to actually um, consume it. So minimizing stimulation, eating away from people, eating away from technology. Those are all really good ways for you to make sure that you're able to get the most out of your food. And then the opposite of that is nervous touch. And as you probably guessed, these people's systems actually run very calm. And so they need to like rev up their system in order to be able to digest. So for you, eating in a restaurant or eating around people is actually a very good thing. You want to maybe even be trying your food a little bit like before you eat, um, like snacking a little bit. You may want to play some music. Like you want to stimulate your system and almost get it ready to eat. This is my husband. Really? Oh my God, that's so funny. Do you, is that spot on for him? A hundred percent. He's the kind of person, and it's funny because when you described him as a projector, he was like, wait, no, but I get excited when I'm in a restaurant. I feel like I'm in my place. I'm like, well, this makes a lot of sense though. Yes, totally. And that's the thing, right? It doesn't mean that projectors are like low. It just means that projectors have to manage their energy more effectively. So after he comes home from that restaurant, he might need some time by himself to rest and reset right? So then the next one is high sound. So these are people who kind of need a playlist to eat. They, like it's good for you to, again, have music and audio stimulation going on. So listening to a podcast, um, again, also good for you to be in restaurants. It's about kind of making the meal a little bit more playful let's say. That's kind of the best way of... So if you have kids, for instance, that are high sound, it's okay for them to have the TV on in the background while they're eating because that's actually going to help them digest the food better. And then low sound is the opposite, right? These are people who really need quiet space in order to digest their food properly. And even if you can get just like one of the meals a day in silence, that is going to already support you. Like obviously you don't want to be a hermit and eat every single meal by yourself, but just be mindful that especially for bigger meals, it's good to eat it alone. And then we've got the last two, which are indirect light. So direct light, which is what Lexi is. So for her natural light, super important. Like first thing in the morning, open those windows, like get that light flowing in, eating your biggest meals during the day, eating your biggest meals, maybe even outside in the sun. And also it means that at night, make sure that you're limiting too much light, like technology, because you're going to be more sensitive to that. And then the opposite is indirect light. And indirect light people, they actually are meant to eat their biggest meals at night when it's dark. So during the day, they might tend to actually sleep in more or be able to like fast, not really get that hungry, avoiding kind of too much harsh lighting because that's going to shock your system and again, prevent it from being able to get the most out of your meal. No, this is amazing. And I think that people have no idea that this is even a thing. And I love it so much for that exact reason. And for me, I quarantine happened and I've always ate outside. Even if I'm in the office, I just take my lunch and I go sit outside. I just can't sit by my desk. And if I do, I just don't feel amazing the rest of the day. You were killing it. And the cool thing is like that, I think your products too, right? They would work for anyone in any of these situations and it almost will just amplify the effectiveness of it. So exactly, it's not like an alternative to, yeah, it's about doing both. Imagine. I mean, and not all of us can do all of these things all the time and it's okay as long as we can figure out what works best for us. But this is like a really great framework for our design. Yes. And it's about 
again, like you said, it's not about changing all your habits overnight. It's about kind of now having that self-awareness. Well, I'm stoked because I feel like we have time just for a little bit more and maybe you can describe the numbers. It's good just to get a good initial framework if they're going to look at their whole chart and they're going to listen to be able to be like, oh, this is probably me. I want to do a deeper dive in this, this, and this, and then they can. Totally. I love that. The numbers that Lexi is referring to is something called your profile. And whereas your energy type kind of talks about that operating system and how to use your energy most efficiently, your profile is more of an archetype. So this does talk about your personality a little bit more. And everyone's profile, there's 12 of them, consists of two numbers. And the first number is usually something that you're more aware or conscious of. And the second number is usually something that you're not as conscious of. Um, And the numbers are one through six. And they each kind of hold a little bit of a, a different flavor, let's say. So I'll kind of give a brief overview of each of them. So Number one is kind of the investigator. These are people that love to research, to learn more. They are oftentimes very interested in systems, in people, in how things work. And the more information they get and the more they know, the safer they feel. Two people are people who are often very naturally gifted. They are just one, you know, they can't really explain how they know certain things. They just know certain things and they're gifted in a way that sometimes leads them to feel like, oh my God, I I need a certification to prove that I have this gift, right? But twos are people who are best able to cultivate those gifts when they're by themselves. So they need to almost build a little bit of a safe space, a cocoon around them in order to feel like they can really bring their gifts to fruition. Then the threes are people who learn from the school of life. Like they are kind of the people who are designed to go through a little bit more of a trial and error process. So they are going to be shaped by life, like bumping into them, literally. They're going to be riding that roller coaster. They're going to have high highs. They're going to have low lows. Threes need a little bit more support and encouragement, as you can imagine, because their road is just going to be a little less predictable. Then moving into four. So fours, these are people for whom the quality of their life is very much determined by the quality of their relationships. And so fours, it's all about the personal network. So their message is usually not for the masses. It really is for kind of the people that they know. So if you're starting a business, for instance, and you're a four, focus on referrals rather than like a big, broad Instagram campaign, right? Then there's fives. Fives are the challenge solvers. Fives are very much seen as like the save the day energy, right? They can come in and solve people's problems. They love solving people's problems. They kind of, again, attach a little bit of their self-worth to solving people's problems, which both Lexi and I are generators and have a five. So you can imagine what that looks like. And they end up feeling people's expectations almost a little bit more than others. And so one of the hardest things for a five to do is to disappoint someone because that is just, it's painful because you see yourself as that helper person. And so if you can't live up to that, um, that is really crushing. Finally, the six, 
these are kind of the wise sages. The sixes are, are our role models, but sixes are the only type that really do go on a journey. So the first 30 years of a six's life is spent like a three. So the first 30 years of a six's life will feel like that roller coaster, that trial and error, that kind of falling down and picking yourself back up. Um, and then they move into the second phase of their life around age 30, in which they're actually kind of retreating a little bit. So the first 30 years are in the midst of life, they're living, they're learning. And then the second 30 years, they're kind of stepping back and taking all those lessons and starting to apply them, oftentimes building something for themselves, whether it be a company, writing a book, building a platform, a community, something that allows them to kind of give purpose to those first 30 years of experimentation and they become an authority on whatever it is that they chose to focus on. Those are kind of those six archetypes. And then you can start to play around with like the combinations, right? So Lexi is a three, five. So she's someone that will have, you know, the first 30 years of her life was a lot of like up and down. And maybe in the midst of it, she's like, I don't know where I'm going next. And does this really make sense? And it kind of felt like she was all over the place. But that is how she was able to learn so many valuable lessons that she can then use to help people solve their problems, right? Which is the five. And that's exactly what she's doing with her business right now is she is taking all those lessons that she's learning from being in the thick of it, from living, from, you know, falling down and coming back up in order to help other people um, address their, their challenges. So that's kind of a way that you can start to combine those for your profile. I think those are so fascinating and so important too. And the combination, I mean, it just says so much. And I appreciate you saying that. I have to say the podcast itself is really meant to showcase um, people who are living their lives most confidently and typically to get the most confident version of themselves. They didn't start that way. Mm -mm. So it's really nice just to be able to really feel like this platform is creating a space for people to really kind of show their stories. I love that so much. Yeah. And guess what? You're doing that for people on a daily basis, which is why I think it's so important that you're on here. I mean, it's honestly so rewarding to be able to use this tool of human design to give people that confidence, right? Because that's all it is. Honestly, in an hour, all I'm doing is showing people all the amazing gifts that they've been given and helping them find ways to actually start to trust those and start to live into their design and express that design more fully because so many people are just currently hiding behind these different layers of conditioning of who they quote unquote should be, right? And I think the most confident people are people who are embracing themselves fully, right? The, the things they're proud of, the things they're less proud of, and are kind of taken off that mask. And so that's really what human design aspires to do. I love that. And you know, my last question was going to be, how do you define confidence? God, I, I kind of just did. <laughs> I just did. Basically, I think confidence is showing up as the true you like taking off all those those masks and, and yeah the layers and embracing yourself as you you know you truly are and that has a ripple effect right i think if you're able to show up that way you are inspiring and encouraging others to do that and i mean lexi has in her chart this one specific line that 
indicates that she is meant to be a voice of self-love, a voice of self-expression, especially. So the more that she is able to show up and love herself and embrace herself, the more she inspires other people to do the same. And I think that that is the power of confidence, right? Especially if you can build a community of confident people like you are doing. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. That means so much. I could cry. (laughs) No, you're fantastic. It was so great having you. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was really fun. I wish we could do this every day. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you liked it, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. Your vote of confidence goes a long way, and that's the best way to support the show. If you want more information on our guest, you can find out how to support them in our show notes, and you can go on our Instagram, Confident Human Podcast. Don't forget to join me every week for new episodes available Wednesdays on all major podcast platforms. See you next week.